Hello, and welcome to the Farm Stress Real Talk podcast from the Penn State Extension Farm Stress team. My name is Amber Hughes, and I am an educator on the Food, Families, and Health team based in Bradford County, Pennsylvania. Our newest series of podcast episodes will be focusing on the stressors in our life that we can control. On that note, today I will be talking with Jennifer Wetzel from Medi, Evans, and Woodside about how we can prepare for farm succession planning. Jennifer's expertise in the field of farm succession planning is impressive. Her in-depth knowledge includes business succession planning, real estate, and asset preservation and agricultural law. She has presented on these topics for the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau, the Pennsylvania Bar Institute, Pennsylvania FarmLink, and the Pennsylvania Bankers Association. Jennifer was appointed by the Secretary of Agriculture, Russell Redding, to the Advisory Board for the Agricultural Business Development Center. As a Succession Coordinator for the International Farm Transition Network and the Pennsylvania Center for Dairy Excellence, she works routinely on helping farm families through the succession planning process, utilizing best practices. She also previously served as the Vice Chairman of the Agricultural Law Committee of the Pennsylvania Bar Association. A native of Schuylkill County, Jennifer graduated cum laude from the Pennsylvania State University Dickinson School of Law, along with summa cum laude honors from Bucknell University. She currently resides in Perry County with her husband and two daughters. Thank you, Jen, for taking the time to talk with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, so you have quite the credentials. What made you want to become involved with the world of farm succession planning and helping these farm families throughout Pennsylvania? Sure. I always had an interest in estate planning, estate administration, and real estate law. And really, agricultural law is just a specialty of those different areas. And so when I started at my first firm out of law school, I had the opportunity to work with um, Gary Heim, who's an ag attorney that's fairly well known throughout the state. And he actually um, needed someone to eventually transition his business to. And so um, ironically, as we're helping farmers transition their business and their farm to the next generation, we're also doing that internally. And so it gave us some good perspective. Um, but what I found is that um, the, the farm clients are just great people to work with. It makes being an attorney um, very rewarding when you have that type of clientele and the ability to, to help people and to feel like you're, you're doing something for the good of the, the state um, and, and beyond. Yeah, certainly. I think farm families definitely are a breed of their own when it comes to just realizing the value of hard work and integrity and just trying to do the right thing. So um, coming from a farm family myself, I've recently been an observer of the farm succession planning process, and I'm seeing repeatedly how overwhelming it can become for all members of the family. So what is your recommendation for farmers on maybe when to start that estate planning process in their lifespan? And what does that intake 
meeting or what does that process look like for them as they're just starting out? One thing I guess I would um, kind of add as an aside is that, um, first of all, it's it's never too early to start, even if you are told that here's some information and you can wait a little bit until you actually have to act on it. But just getting your, your feet um, moving in the right direction is good. But Beyond that, um, you know, the very first thing is a lot of farm families have children. They're starting out um, their their family, and before even getting to the estate um, or the farm transition process, you need to make sure that your younger children are taken care of. And so, the, before you're dealing with farm assets and money per se, you're dealing with do, do your children have a guardian if you're not there to take care of them. And so I think, you know, you need to speak with an estate planner at the the very early stage of of your marriage and and starting your business. Beyond that, when you're looking at maybe the older generation, we typically find that by age 30, the younger generation should start to have an ownership in the business. And a lot of times it's the non-real estate assets, the equipment, machinery, cattle, assets that that are not the, the core tracks of the real estate. And it can be a, a gradual process where that's transitioned over a number of years. And then by age 40, the real estate starts to be transferred to that younger generation. And so the older generation, I would say they would want to begin the process of at least setting up a plan by age 50 or 60 um, in order to hit those ages um, for the younger generation. As far as how the the intake process looks, typically, if you would call our office, you would speak to one of my assistants and they would collect your information and we would reach out with an initial engagement letter in order to provide our uh, advice and assistance to a farm family. They have to be a client and we need to set forth um, under the rules of professional responsibility what our scope of representation would be. Within that engagement letter, we typically include a questionnaire that allows us to gather a lot of the family information as well as financial information. And we also internally will do as much research as we can to find maybe tax cards for the real estate that you own or looking up on the the Department of State, the business uh, organizational structure, so that before we would ever have an initial meeting, we have as much information as possible gathered and analyzed so that we can go into that meeting and and have some actual discussions. That way, the first meeting is not just gathering all of the information, but we can actually start formulating a plan. Yeah, that sounds like a really good way to just come into the meeting prepared so you're ready to get down to business right off the bat. So that sounds like a great technique that I'm sure you've kind of figured out over the years of practice. So so we have that initial meeting on the calendar My next question is, who would you recommend being involved in that first meeting? And is there a certain place you would recommend holding that meeting? 
As far as where um, to hold the meeting, it's a lot of times at the family farm. That is our general practice. We're willing to travel to the farm and meet with the client where they are more than likely most comfortable. Um, it also alleviates the, the need for them to, to take time out of their day when they would normally need that time for working on the farm to come and travel to our office. So a lot of times that is where the initial meeting will take place. That being said, we're always open to meeting at our office in Harrisburg, and that can be useful if which I'll, I'll talk to next, if there's additional individuals that are coming and maybe it's a central location, or if there's family members that uh, maybe there's just some intrafamily dynamics that you really don't want this person or that person to know that you're having this meeting. And so it's, it's away from the farm and, and it's um, a, neutral location. So that we're, we are flexible though, as far as where to meet. And as far as who should be there, our role as an attorney is to identify our clients. And normally the client will be the older generation because the older generation owns the assets. And for, for us to help um, the, the older generation with the transition, we need to be doing deeds or drafting deeds of gift. And so we need to be representing the individuals that have the assets and we can actually do the work to move the farm along. So the, the parent generation, assuming that is the client, needs to be there. Um, many times after we meet with them initially and explain that they are our client and we are looking out for their best interest, they may want one or more of the farm children to join into the meeting. And so that's another benefit of having it on the farm. People can stop in and out as the, the meeting progresses. I also recommend having a tax preparer at least involved in the process. If they can make it to the initial meeting, that's great. But before I ever implement a farm transition plan, I run it by the tax preparer because there are always a number of tax considerations that need to be need to be analyzed. And it's always better to have that analysis before making any changes. I've also had farm consultants and lenders come to the initial meeting. And it just depends on the family situation and who they've worked with, who's involved in the process. But um, any one or more of those people would be welcome to come to that initial meeting to help start developing the farm transition plan. Yeah, wow. There's a lot more people that might be involved in that very initial meeting than even I had kind of anticipated or figured. So it's interesting to know when you think about who all should be involved, just maybe broadening or widening that circle a little bit more sometimes. So so further planning for that initial meeting, I know you touched on some of the documents and materials and some of the people who might have those materials, but are there any other documents or materials that families should have ready, that the parent generation should have ready for you? Sure. I think the, the more information, um, 
that you can have, the, the better. Um, although one time I, I asked for documents and I got someone's bus card. You don't have to go quite <laughs> that that far, but um, the, the more information, um, definitely the better. I would say the listing on the questionnaire we provide of the family information is very helpful. A lot of times it may seem that it's irrelevant to know what children you have and whether they're married and what grandchildren and do any one, um, does anyone have a disability or anything of that nature? We're not crying. It's, it really is all relevant in the, the big scheme of things because the farm transition plan is one aspect of your whole estate plan. And a lot of times we have to make sure it all fits together. So the family background is very important. Then as far as documents, to the extent you have any old estate planning documents. Um, if you currently have a will, even though you want to change it, let's let's look at that, see where things stand. Because in the meantime, until we get a plan into place, we want to make sure you're covered in the interim. I usually like to see tax returns for businesses and, and individuals that can help us make sure we're accounting for all of your assets, that there's nothing that maybe is being overlooked. Deeds to the real estate, it's many times people will think they own property a certain way only to find out that it's actually titled in a different way. So we always go to the source of that ownership to make sure that is correct. And then also account information. So statements, whether to just show the ownership, is it owned jointly husband and wife? Is it in just one person's name? If it's an IRA or life insurance, do you have your beneficiary listed? Is there an alternate going through all of, of that information to make sure that the whole plan fits in place? perfectly. But when we do send out that initial questionnaire, we list all of that information within that document. But the one thing I would say, and we we try to also say when you call is, is don't be overwhelmed or don't feel like if I can't provide everything that's listed, I can't have an initial meeting. It's just better to have whatever you can provide it just gives us a, a, a step ahead before that initial meeting, but don't let it paralyze you in the sense that then you never are able to move forward. If if you provide nothing and we do all the legwork, we'll, we'll also figure it out. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes, like you had said, I'm sure it's overwhelming if families have kind of been putting off that process and just even thinking that they might be close to that time when they're ready to retire and thinking about the future. And I'm sure sometimes it's probably kind of frozen them or paralyzed them from even making that first step because they think they're already that far behind. So I think that's definitely good advice just to let them know that, hey, you know, we're here, we're meeting you wherever you're at in the process and we can put in that legwork and get you brought up to speed and get you caught up. So that's really helpful to know. Thinking ahead a little bit, so there's no question that you had mentioned family dynamics, but I would guess the amount of acreage and the property size are two variables that can really make that succession planning process more or less stressful at times. 
So is there a minimum number of meetings or maybe a maximum number of meetings that a family can schedule with you to try to really work out the entire process and really just make sure they've got all the details figured out? There, there is no minimum or maximum. It really is based on um, the, that family and their specific situation. If they come to me and they pretty well know exactly what they want, and let's say there is only one farm child or even one child, and it's it's pretty streamlined, then it will naturally take fewer meetings and um, things will will go in a much faster direction. But that being said, we've had some instances where we've planned for two years or more before we actually got to the point where we pulled the trigger. And I always like to say, measure twice, cut once. Let's make sure we have everything in line. Everybody's on board, the lenders on board, the accountants on board. And so ever, however many meetings that takes, that's okay. And I also don't want to ever feel like anyone's being pressured to move faster than they're able to go. Um, the one thing that I think has has definitely come around more in the past couple of years is the ability to do more remote meeting as well. And so it cuts on cost um, if you have to come to me or I have to come to you and also time, I, th- I think. So to the extent we get beyond the initial meeting or two and everyone's comfortable with just meeting by Zoom that's also an option or even email communications and just setting forth plans and going back and forth. So there's there's all different alternatives, but we never limit the, the number of meetings um, in order to come up with your plan. Just a little bit of background from our firm are just based on um, hourly billing. So whatever you know you want however many meetings you want whatever work you want it's just based on um you know the amount of hours and work that's involved and that that's also why we try to have you bring in certain documents ahead of time anything we can do to help cut down on on that cost though as well and i would think you know with that farming population again just going back to the farmers i've known building that trust with them is going to be pretty huge. And so farmers, they they can sniff through things pretty quickly. You know, if you're someone who's not being genuine, who's not giving them your full attention, they're going to probably be able to pick up on that. And so I would imagine just building that trust with those families, especially when you're asking them for the information that they probably aren't super willing to give out freely, you know, like your tax returns and all those documents that you're needing just to kind of, again, build that trust with them that, hey, there's a reason why we need this information that's going to benefit you in the long run. So I would imagine that probably takes just a lot of time maybe laying that foundation with those families too. So it's a good thing that there's not a minimum number of meetings that you're limiting them to in building that trust. The other thing I've found too is a lot of times the referrals for us will come from like the lender or the accountant and they'll realize that they need to start the process or they're in need of an attorney. And I've found a lot of times when 
someone they've worked with for years and they've already built the trust with then recommends you, it's easier to build the trust at that point than if they're just picking you out of, uh, off of a, I was going to say a phone book. They don't exist, but um, off of a website. So yeah, I'm sure that helps just to have that connection, no doubt too. So just as we kind of start to wrap up a little bit here, you've told us some great information based on all your experience with farm succession planning with these families, what would be your most helpful piece of advice that you can provide to those families who might be in that spot where they feel stuck or kind of frozen and don't know where to begin? Sure. I, my advice, I guess, would be that you're probably one of a lot of farms that are in a very similar situation and it's not unusual. And all you need to do is is reach out and make the call. Let us know that you want to move forward on this and we will help to facilitate that as best as we can. Don't feel like you have to have the plan already put together or that you have to have all of your documents or that everyone has to get along, whatever your situation is, we will deal with it. And we've dealt with with a lot of, of unique circumstances in the past and we'll work until we come up with a, a plan that's that's going to be suitable for, for all different people and situations. And the other thing too is if a lot of times the older generation, it is a hard concept to get behind that you're losing control or that you're moving things along. And it doesn't have to be a light switch. It it can be a gradual change. And it doesn't mean that everything is is going to, to change as far as ownership or your ability to work on the farm. It's just starting the process and, and getting things put into motion. Yeah, certainly. I think a lot of farmers who are in that stage of, you know, looking at retirement, although farmers never truly retire, I feel like, I think just kind of relinquishing some of those responsibilities. And again, just speaking from some personal experience, relinquishing those responsibilities, that can be difficult, I think, not only for those farmers, but also the ones that they might be handing it down to as well. So, You had kind of mentioned how to contact you, but would you provide a little bit more information if any of our listeners are interested in contacting you to set up that initial appointment or to kind of get that process started? How can they reach you? Um, We'll be sure to link your contact information in our show notes as well. But if you want to let us know how to best contact you, tell us basically what that medium would be. Sure. The The best way to reach out would actually be to call my office. Um, our phone number is area code 717-232-5000 and ask for my paralegal, Corinne Driver. She would take your call, um, ask for some basic information with respect to what you're looking to accomplish, where you're located, what your time frame is, and then pass that along to me. The, the other part of this is that there, there are a lot of farms in the state and we're doing a lot of farm transition work. And sometimes I can be scheduling out a little bit. And so there's three other attorneys in our ag group that do a lot of the same work. And so 
between us, we're able to fit in any any new client that that is is calling and wanting to begin the farm transition process. So reaching out, talking to Corinne, and she'll hook you up with with someone in the ag group. And if time permits, it it would be me. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Jen. I'm sure that we'll be following up with more episodes focusing maybe on more specific topics with farm succession planning. But it really has been just an eye-opening experience to kind of know how to initiate that process. On behalf of our podcast listeners and our Farm Stress team, and saying thanks for providing all the information to help families prepare for the future and hopefully lower their stress levels a little bit. In farming, we often focus and tend to talk more about those variables that we can't control, like the weather, but succession planning and planning for the future is certainly one variable that farmers do have the ability to influence. So again, just big thank you for coming on to today's podcast. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate the opportunity and I enjoyed speaking with you. Perfect. So just to wrap up, we just want to remind our listeners to be sure to subscribe to the Farm Stress Real Talk with Penn State Extension podcast. If you want updated podcasts delivered straight to your podcast platform once they are released. So you can find us on Spotify, Buzzsprout, Apple Podcast, or whatever listening platform you use. And as always, you can find more information on farm stress resources and a wide variety of other topics online at our Penn State Extension website at extension.psu.edu.